Blog Talk Radio. And by the way, I always forget to say it. Today is October 11th, 2016. And I'm reminded to say that for those listeners across time because you just never know where this audio may travel. So um, that is the point in time in which I am speaking to you on a beautiful, beautiful, sunny fall day here in the Pacific Northwest. And today, in just a moment, I will be bringing on the line Evelyn C. Reisdyke, who is going to share with us, really, if I could, sometimes I want to retitle a show, although I think it's appropriate to say that we are talking about the feminine today in terms of shamanic wisdom. And Evelyn is an expert in shamanic history and studies and practice. And it goes beyond the feminine as well. So it's very important to say that as well. as to We are going to talk about Evelyn's new book, The Norse Shaman, Ancient Spiritual Practices of the Northern Tradition. And we are going to talk about how she has explored these traditions and how they impact not only the entire region throughout history and give us hints of what was happening during history in Europe, but also other regions of the world and how this is a very essential aspect of understanding our current world and how we can operate within our current reality. Because not only does she explore many aspects of shamanism and the history. She also shows us how we can take these practices and make them real within the context of our lives today. Um, Evelyn is an expert. I truly would characterize her as this. She is a founding member of the Society for Shamanic Practitioners. She has presented at international events such as the Shamanism Summit 
and A Year of Ceremony. She has written other books as well that I invite you to explore, um, such as Spirit Walking, A Course in Shamanic Power, Modern Shamanic Living, and A Spirit Walker's Guide to Shamanic Tools. And most of all, Evelyn is here in this world to be of service to us. She helps people one-on-one through healing and assistance. She helps workshop groups. She helps conference participants. And she is here today to help us so that we can navigate on our own journeys in a more joyful, wonderful way in connection with the natural world and the true reality that is around us all. So I am about to bring Evelyn on the line. Welcome, Evelyn. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Susan. Well, it is a true delight and Something I didn't say in the introduction that that many of my listeners do know is that I feel that we've kind of accumulated a group of us because I am representative of this group where many of us have had spiritually emergent experiences, Evelyn, many times, many years in the past, and that's certainly my case, and where these were powerful experiences. And you, as a guide and as someone who has studied these things and in a more structured framework, can help us, I feel, in in framing and understanding and, and flowing forward with with how we can incorporate expanded consciousness in our world. So at the outset, let me say thank you for that, and that may give us a gateway into this conversation as well as to to how we can do this. But I do want to start out with how did you come, Evelyn, to study all of this? How What was your personal gateway into the shaman's world? Well, I probably would say my original gateway is through art. I have been an artist for most of my life, having learned perspective from my mother when I was three. And uh, that naturally led to exploring other cultures and tribal art. And um, I stumbled across Michael Harner's book, The Way of the Shaman, around 1982, I think. It was a little Uh format paperback, a little teeny one. And uh, I read that, and that seemed interesting to me. And I have to say, initially, I sort of cocked an eyebrow about the whole thing. Uh, But having subsequently, over uh, over time, I actually have done journeys, got got to study with him in person for three years, uh, along with Sandra Ingerman. And the very first time I had a journey that I could say I absolutely was no longer in this realm, but experiencing something else, I had not only this feeling of opening up, but it was this peculiar sensation. I remember as a little girl having the feeling that I had been somewhere, and I couldn't remember exactly where it was. And I would ask my parents questions about the different places that they had taken me. And nothing actually kind of matched what it is they shared. And upon journeying for the first time, I had that experience of go, oh, that's where I was. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I was in the world of spirit. And that uh, and continuing to journey and develop a relationship with the spirits also opened up my heart. I had gotten very depressed. Yeah. I was working in advertising as part of my uh, art life. And um, yeah. my world had closed down as depression does. It's sort of like the iris on an old-fashioned camera narrows you down. And having that opportunity to open that up again through journeying was like throwing open the windows after a, a, a miserable winter where you let in all the fresh air. You know, the first day that it's warm enough to open all, all, all the windows. It was that kind of feeling in my body. And that just led me down the road. I mean, you, you thought, I tend to be one that follows where my curiosity and my passion lead me. Yes. And that yes. just took me on the road. And, it, and it's been a, a extraordinary journey, literally and figuratively, <laughs> since then. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I so relate. What I love about what you just shared is how what what this provides is it this kind of awakening to the world it's a healing journey and and look at how it healed your life um it both you know in your outlook and 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 in everything that you're doing and so and and I think so many of us can relate to that and I also think and and maybe um you know we're kind of jumping into this in a in an unusual way I sense but um I I just so connect to how this this awakening to our expanded world and our connectedness and our natural world is is truly what will heal us personally and collectively and and perhaps I'll I'll just throw that to you again to to reflect upon how this is part of our all of our healing journeys to to understand it's, it's, a, it's also part of our birthright uh Joseph Chilton Pierce actually said a wonderful thing. He said, we are wired for transcendence. And I think he's absolutely right. We were wired to have this kind of experience because, in truth, when we define our world solely by the input we get from our senses, we are dialing it so far back, even though our sensory uh, abilities are extraordinary gifts. I would never want to lose my sight or my hearing or anything. But in the in the big picture we see so little our eyesight yeah. we can only see the visible spectrum and yet honeybees can see in ultraviolet and every hawk that flies in the sky can see infrared and the same is true with our hearing it's a very narrow band that humans can hear our our dog or bats can hear above it and whales and elephants can hear below so we have defined our reality by the input that we've gotten from our senses and in so doing have limited our experience because our nervous system, our consciousness is wired for that much broader experience, that much more um, expansive experience where we can feel uh, emotionally and, and even physically our connectedness to all beings. Yes, yes. Very much so. Now, there's something I'm going to introduce here in in an unusual way because it's going to relate to the historical exploration 
that you're doing. And part of this motivation, I see that we are once again being featured on the front page live of Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the audience entering into this. And I have a feeling, knowing that we all come from different backgrounds, I'm going to explore how part of my own awakening, Evelyn, had to do with the clash between being raised very conservatively as a conservative Christian and this opening up to the broader spiritual awareness. And what I appreciate about your book, Evelyn, is that it uses it talks about how in the in the ancient world as well, you know, for me that was my shutdown in a way. That falling into the fear of of not understanding what was going on um, because of the context of that that more limited world was was challenging for me to navigate. And something I see reflected in your book historically is also that the older world that that you explored it was much more open and, and understanding of our connectedness to all things. And it was um, only later that, you know, these concepts that were more fear-based shut us down because a lot of us are taught to fear this. I guess this is a roundabout way of, of getting to this, but <laughs> we are taught to fear um, connecting to spirit. And yet for me, that was the most expansive, incredible, amazing thing and continues to be, you know, within nature, a, a, an incredible, wondrous thing, and love-based, too. And and so how do we, this is such a long question, address <laughs> the historically and in the current day, you know, how do we get beyond our fears? Been raised in a certain way. How can someone like you, who is a healer, a guide, help those of us who, you know, our minds are taught certain things, but our hearts, our spirits know we're more expansive than this. And this was true in the in the ancient world, too. I, I like to reassure people that that way of knowing was preserved even in their own childhoods. Every child, when they're very small, talks to everything. They talk to their uh-huh. stuffed animals. Uh-huh. They talk to the trees, to the flowers, uh-huh. to the ants. They understand that there is something there that is not a what, it's a who. And children have, no matter what culture they're raised in, they understand that when they're very small. And it's only after they're enculturated that they forget it. So when I'm teaching people, I always reassure them that you did this once. This is not learning something new. This is helping you to remember and using a tool to help you remember. And that's really all we ever do is is help people to open up the capacity that's already on board that just got varnished over, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like you spackled over it. And that reawakening, because I don't even think of it as an awakening, it's a reawakening of our natural way of being. You know, for hundreds of thousands of years, we were hunter-gatherers. And a hunter-gatherer has to be in intimate relationship with all the elements of the natural world. They they have to understand by the way the air smells if weather is coming and the quality of the green in the trees that lets them know that very soon it'll be storm season. 
and when they can expect a migrating herd, that they can intercept them for food. All of these things, they had to have the wisdom. They had a tremendous education that they learned from the natural world, and their relationship with all those beings kept them healthy and well. It is only the last few thousand years that we have done it differently. So this is so built into our DNA. It's a natural way of being. And as you know from your own awakening, something happens that has you feel way more comfortable in your skin. Suddenly you have the 30,000-foot view of your own life. And even though that's disorienting, just like looking down from a very tall building can be disorienting, you can see things that you didn't see before. You can feel things that you didn't feel before. And the experience is it feels right. Yes, yes. And um, I, I cannot reiterate that more because how we view an experience, how can you assess? the quality of an experience it's how it heals you and and i think that that many of us can attest to this that it it's a healing expansive journey and and so um what i what i'd like to do now exploring this more within the context of your book is um you talk about um, a an understanding. You know, maybe we should go to some basic definitions here because I, I have this feeling, and this is certainly my case, is that a lot of us kind of backed into this. I mean, we didn't know. <laughs> I, I, there are so many people having spontaneous awakenings, and maybe this has always been true from what you explore, I believe so, that we don't even know how to frame it, and that's wonderful, and yet you allow us to understand some concepts that um, you know have always been known. So, so let's let's go to the very basic understanding of what is shamanism. What is it um, exactly? And and what is animism? Which which to me is very much related. These two terms. Can you explore that for us? Uh, absolutely. I'll start with animism. Animism is really the belief that there is a kind of consciousness, a spirit, and awareness in everything. So there's a, a spirit in the trees, in the stones, in the river, down the street from my home. Everything has a spirit or a kind of awareness, uh, and that is something that you can develop a relationship with by expanding consciousness. And the shaman is one that became adept at expanding their perception to be able to interact with those spirits and then bring what they learn back to implement it here. Shamanism has its roots really in survival. If you think about hunter-gatherer people, and shamanism really is a tradition that comes from the hunting hunting and gathering period in in our human history, they everything they attended to was about helping to survive. And the whole group had to survive because you needed all the members being able to lift and carry and do whatever it is they needed to do to support the whole. Now, some of the things that you need for survival are not as easily seen and heard 
if you're a little band of people walking on foot. So you're waiting, for instance, at a time of year to intercept the caribou herd. We learned when we tried to see that a number of years ago that they don't always migrate in the same place. And the, the company, the tour company, had set up a camp where they thought the caribou were going to be, and they weren't there. Now, yeah. if you have a helicopter, no sweat. <laughs> but if you're walking <laughs> with a group of people that includes children and elders, you have to know where they are. Now, how yeah. can you do that? So the person who is adept at expanding their perception could give direction for the people to head in this direction. And they could say, three sunrises in this direction and we'll intercept the herd. Because they got that information through that expanded consciousness experience that I call journeying. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I couldn't help. When, when I read this in your book about how it's not just temporal, but spatial, I couldn't help but think about, you know, how we talk about remote viewing, for example, as something mm-hmm. that people talk about in modern terms. And, and I think that, that many of us have experienced some aspect of this in our experiences, that it's not, it, it can be temporal, spatial, and temporal and spatial together is what you're mm-hmm. talking about, is, is mm-hmm. actually seeing across time in a spatial and temporal way. And that's really important to emphasize because in our popular culture, we hear about this a lot. You know, people who are listening to popular radio shows, you know, we'll, we'll hear about this in different different ways. And yet you're looking at it in a very organic, natural, um, um, helpful way. <laughs> and, and I just wanted to, to point that out. Well, I, I think the truth is that people... When a group of people have their own way to connect to all that is, that's the word I use for everything. Some people yeah. use God, some people use goddess. I like to say all that is. When you have your own pathway to that that does not require an intermediary, it does not require dogma, and you can do this at will, you are a, a, a little more difficult to tame and keep in line. Yeah. And so the way our social structure is right now, that is um, frowned upon, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet it it is so, this kind of happening where people suddenly wake up has been happening forever because people do not fit well in the restriction that has been placed upon us because we had desired safety. We decide. Yeah. We at some point in our evolution, we decided this life is too hard. Let's make this easier. We, you know, we'll just do our part and put somebody else in charge. So we are now experiencing an awakening across cultures, across language barriers. People in all different spiritual traditions are suddenly awakening to this kind of global consciousness, this awareness that everything in Mother Earth is alive and and yeah. sentient. So we are going to alter our culture. We can't help but do that since culture is an expression of the people in it. And so the people who like it the old way get upset about that. So we're seeing this kind of polarization right now because we have so many people becoming more aware, petitioning to support Mother Earth, to stop pipelines and 
you know, stop using coal and all these things because they suddenly uh, awaken to, my gosh, Mother Earth is life. We are a part of yes. her. We can't put that separation in anymore. And certainly a deep spiritual experience of expansion, it makes it so tangible. There's no argument that your mind can put in place that tells you it's other than what is true. Yes, yes. And, you know, I'm I'm really jumping ahead in your book, but I can't help it um, because um, I feel like a part of this is and I I have a scientific background, although also a spiritual background, but both. And one of the things I love about unfolding expansive experience is how it defies statistics in a way. It be, it's like impossible. It's statistically impossible. And it's funny in a way. And I'll tell you something that happened. Um, is is the energy you talk about um, and the, the you know Ragnarok or renewal? When I started to read that part in the book, um, right then, next door, very very loud landscapers arrived, <laughs> and they started you know making a lot of noise <laughs> yeah. right in that part, and I I just laughed because to me. This is a part of it, and, and I wanted to use this as an example of of how the world begins to open up, and and it 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 can it can even have kind of a sense of humor, and and you know what? It shut down. It got all done before the show. It could have been going on right now. It's done, <laughs> and and yet right at that moment when I was reading about. Um, basically the tyranny of patriarchal culture, which was part of, of that part. And, and I want to enter into that, too, is, is um, oh gosh, we're never going to be able to cover this in an hour, but we'll have fun anyway. Is, I'll have is, to come back. Um, <laughs> yes, I think so. Is, is I, I told you I took a lot of notes from your book because there's just so much. It's very rich. Um, okay, there's a question. Um, we are not just talking about women. I mean, we are talking about feminine energy, feminine, the feminine as as an archetype, um, and, and as and even more than that, um, the the power of the feminine expressed in both sexes. And so, here is my rather complex question: As you talk about, you know, how we can use this to to bring harmony to our world, why there is all this awakening and everything, um, how does an understanding of this feminine energy, and, and more than, you know, even the power of the the female body, what role wise women played, start to explore that for us, Evelyn, and, and relate that to how we all heal our world, male and female alike, because this isn't meant to be excluding men in the least. Oh, that feminine not. expresses through us all. So there's your there's your very um, intricate question. I'll let you flow with that. <laughs> well, I, you know, as uh, a woman of a certain age, I am moving into the phase of life that my culture would have me be invisible. Uh-huh. And that ha- gives me an interesting perspective because I am able to see that there is something that 
uh, our culture is uncomfortable with. It's uncomfortable with um, the wisdom years of women, and I think that is kind of a distillation of feminine energy when, if you think about the old wise women in European history, that turned uh, they went from being wise women to persecuted witches. Yeah. They ha- they had a wisdom that did not fit in the box. They had str- you know if you think about the the uh, archetypes of the feminine, it is intuitive, it is more right brain. It is yeah. uh, focused on nurturance not just of others but of the self. It is uh based on relationship, because the feminine is really invested in relationship, and in relationship with all beings. And so <clears throat> when you think of uh, women get to a certain age where they become more and more like the archetype, they are no longer fertile, so they're not mothers. The, they're no longer um, culturally attractive as spouses. And so you begin to uh, epitomize the sort of juicy root of feminine energy. And that is uh, not appreciated very much in the culture, although it is growing. And by, by, by shunting that energy off, we have lost um, a, an important rudder, I think, for our culture to remind ourselves that, wait a minute, we are into kinetic connected we do need to be in relationship and we need to trust more than just our heads to get us where we're going we need to trust that we have a feeling body that we have intuition and we do not have to explain the bad feeling in order to for it to be real we simply know and that's an inherent capacity of both men and women it is feminine energy as you say and i think it's something that is aching to be present because we need to step back into particularly relationship with the world around us. We are not very good at relationship in our culture. I think, what is it, one in three marriages right now end in divorce. So we're not very good at relationship with a romantic partner. A lot of people aren't very good at being in relationship with themselves. Uh, we're not in relationship, very uh, good relationship with the natural world, and we certainly tend not to be in good relationship with people that are perceived as of as others. So they may have a different color skin or a different religion or live in a different part of the world or speak a different language. So uh, this breakdown of relationship is something that feminine energy is uh, available to heal. It is available yeah. to heal, but we have to activate it and i think part of um the entire big generation of women the the boomers coming to that their wisdom years is providing extra impetus it's i i feel like we live in a time where so many things are coming to the fore that we that we need now we need to remember our sacred relationship to the feminine because that's also our relationship to Mother Earth, we need to understand that we cannot do things by ourselves or only for ourselves any longer. 
there are over 7 billion of us on the planet. We have to begin to operate as a collective if any of us are going to survive. All of these things are really grounded in that female energy coming back, people awakening to that larger experience happening now. It seems like all of this energy is rising. You know, you're the the uh, idea of, of frontier beyond fear, I think we're seeing that. I think we're standing yes. at the precipice as a collective, seeing the space beyond. And what happens when we come to that point of emergence, some people will run backward as far as far as far and as fast as they can because change is scary. And other people will dive into it because they know that is what's going to save them, is to go even broader into that expansive place. So we're experiencing right now this polarization, which tells me we're already moving into that new space. We're already moving into it. Because otherwise, the the diehards of the old way wouldn't be fighting so hard. Yes, yes. So So there's a convoluted answer to your convoluted (laughs) question. How's that? Okay, well, and I'm going to come right back, I think, because something (laughs) that came to me... I, I, I'm really even expanding. I've had such a, a, a wonderful time with your book, I have to tell you. It's expanding me as we speak, and you're helping me to reflect. And what you just said, I was thinking about, for example, the breakdown of relationships. And I know people of all ages listen to this show. And something that I have found, and I'm noticing more and more in the microcosm and the macrocosm, is relationship true relationship has to do with making empowering choices because so many times it seems like for example if we get ourselves into a relationship that isn't particularly healthy it's because we didn't follow our intuition at the beginning that said (laughs) you know this isn't a good situation and we allowed ourselves to be disempowered and this can happen in many many different ways it can happen you know, when entering into a marriage, it can happen when, when um, you know, making choices within the, the, the political sphere, within the work sphere, within so many different ways. And so I think, and, and it was funny because I was going to ask you a question about power. And my, my question here is how do we learn to energetically navigate through this world and listen, and listen to what it is, is really the choice that resonates with the most, the most truly to our being and to everything around us. How, you know, this can take us a lifetime, no doubt, but, um, you know, where do we find real energetic flow and power and not those things that are imposed on us, those things that are you know egoic in nature but but those things that will truly usher us in to to the joy that we seek the healing that we seek and the the right choices that we all seek together and personally i i think two things one is the most important thing is to start to listen to your intuition and don't worry if you don't have a reason We've been so yeah. trained 
to oh, wow. if we don't have a good reason for it, then we have to dismiss it. Don't dismiss it. I have learned to trust my intuition implicitly, knowing that I may never know why. I have to make this choice. I may never yeah. actually know why, but it is I have come to trust it so implicitly, implicitly because it never has failed me. When I have followed my intuition, in spite of my logical mind going, but why? I just follow it. Just follow it and, and then see what happens. Just see what happens without judgment. Because if you, if you start to try to justify it for yourself, or worse yet, try to justify it for somebody else, it, you're going to bollocks it up. <laughs> just trust the intuition. The second piece is don't be afraid to negotiate for your own needs. That is, uh, I think, a critical aspect of relationship that you have to be in negotiation. When you share your life with one person or more than one person, you have to negotiate what will be harmonious for the relationship because the relationship is another entity. So if you think of our kind of traditional relationship of two people, they are two individuals with needs, requirements, and the relationship itself is the third being in that group. The relationship requires the same kind of nurturance, tending, and feeding as the people do. And so the people have to negotiate together how to work their lives so that they stay in harmony with one another and and learn how to fight fair when they're not in harmony, and then to remember that the relationship itself is an entity that requires support. You know, that's the beauty, I think, of animism. You start to think that everything has a spirit. An organization has a spirit. You know, everybody knows when you go out to start your car on a cold day, you go, come on, honey, you can do it. And yes, you're talking yes. you're talking to the spirit of the car. You may not have yes. thought logically that it had a spirit, but you, you behave as though it does. Yes. Oh, I love that example. And you know, I I I want to bring this um you know, I, I back into the historical context of your book and, and here's how I'm gonna introduce another complex because I swear um, I had an experience many years ago where I encountered something more than once that I called the weavers. I didn't know what these were. I called them the weavers. It was in an, in, in an expansive awareness that I encountered, and it had to do with the weaving of reality. And mm-hmm. here I read in your book, I've never seen this before until your book, that there was this concept in the ancient Norse, um, world, their their understanding of um, of their world, of this concept of these weavers and and how this related to co-creation, because many listeners to this show are familiar with our exploring the concept of co-creation within our world, and can. Can you talk to that and 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 do please bring bring some of there's such abundant wisdom in your your book we can hardly touch it with this show sometimes but but can you bring that that aspect of your book forward as to how that relates 
to co-creation now? Absolutely. So you were talking about the, the weavers, as you say, and those would be the Norns mm-hmm. in North North yes. mythology. They are the three yes. uh, wise sisters. They are uh, giants. They are described as giants, which lets you know in uh, Indo-European code, that means they were the ones that were here before us. So these are ancient beings that predate humankind. So you think of this as a very old concept. Uh, And the idea of the shaman's role uh, would be a verva is the pronunciation of the one of the names for the Norse shaman would be to find a way to peek at the weaving and influence it. So that really is a kind of co-creation. You want to see what is being woven and you want to See how you can influence that weave. And that, and not to completely weave your own, but to recognize that you are always in concert with, in this case, the Norns, but you are also in concert in ordinary reality with the rest of nature. When we remember that we co create, because I think for some people the idea of co creation means that I can have anything I want. And here it is. Yeah. Co-creation is influencing that web of reality, pulling a little string here, adding another string of your own over here until you co-create something that is um, beneficial. And usually it needs to be beneficial for all that is. So it's not for a selfish reason that we go yeah. into that we go into that co-creation to basically step into a, a more mature role as a human being i like to yeah. think that in in large part we are still all 19 years old we want to drive our car but not pay for the insurance and where we're going is to take full responsibility for our thoughts our feelings our actions and do that not in a burdensome way but in the in the shouldering of responsibility because it also means we are gaining tremendous power in that when we take full responsibility for our thoughts and our feelings not to control them but that we own that they are ours and that we influence reality because we're doing it all the time whether we're doing it consciously or not we're impacting everything around us all the time when we take responsibility for our power as a co-creator, we are changing the landscape of our lives. It is tremendously empowering to realize that you have a part to play in creation, that you have been playing it unconsciously up till now, but as you grow and evolve your perception of yourself and the cosmos around you, you can step into that role and start to weave with consciousness and also with joy. Because when you recognize that you're not at the effect of the cosmos, you are a participant in the cosmos. You know, you are not the child who is helpless. You are a co-creator. You're a participant. You're dancing with the stars. You know, you're flowing with the seasons. You're breathing in the magic and making magic of your own. That is a tremendously empowering place to be. And 
you know, it used to be in the old days, it would only be the shaman of the group that would do that. We live in a time that anybody can learn how to journey. Anybody can step in to that role and become more and more aware of their place in the cosmos and how splendid this world is. How remarkable and sweet and, you know, amazing that you can live a a long and fruitful life and never really understand how a wood frog can go to sleep in the mud, freeze solid, and then at some appointed time in spring begin to defrost from around its heart first. And his heart begins to beat more rapidly and eventually he wriggles his way out of the mud in spring and gets on with the business of finding a girlfriend. So how is it that that can happen? How does the frog know what to do? How does his body freeze solid? He has intercellular antifreeze. This little frog pulls off this miraculous feat. And the more we step into that awareness of all the beauty that is around us, all the magic that is around us, and that we are participating in it, it changes how, we, how seriously we take things. Because you can be responsible without having to be burdensome. You can simply be aware that everything that I do, even as I move my hand, you know, if I sweep my hand back and forth, I'm making currents in the air in the same way that a fish makes ripples in the water. So I'm interacting with everything all the time. And, you know, as you know from your experience, when you get a, a... an awareness of that, it's a rush. It's a oh, tremendous yeah. <laughs> rush. And, and then you learn after that initial rush, now how do I live the rest of my life with that awareness and what can I do with that awareness and how can I bring that even to the smallest things that I do in my life? And that yeah. becomes what a spiritual practice is. <laughs> you know, yes. when you, it's yeah. the daily nuts and bolts of how do I keep that awareness while I'm doing the laundry and going food shopping and running a radio yes. show. You know, how do I do that? Yes. Yes. So so true and and you know, I I I do want to emphasize that that people who've had spiritually emergent experiences that were somewhat dramatic. I mean, it it can be a rush and it can also um, there's an after effect where you do want to learn how to integrate, and you can actually end up stepping back from it. If you step too far into that realm without, you know, the, the assistance around you, the, the people who understand what happens when you do, um, you can have a tendency to kind of, you know, pull back in a way and because, just for your own um protection in a way because it's it's a pretty expansive space i mean it can be pretty wild out there yeah. <laughs> and, and especially when you don't have it a mildly, guide putting it mildly and 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 what i want to enter into here given we don't have a ton of time left is something so important in your book and i'll say something that that's helped me it's it's observing the little things in nature it's spending time in nature that for me has been one of the most healing and and expansive in a in a very gentle way for me 
um, but also at times very magical where deer will just show up and and all kinds of interesting things will happen. But but just observing the smallest of things um, uh, as I explore nature around me, and I, I'm fortunate to live in a beautiful place, but we all have beauty that's accessible. And I know that you look at this, how important that was um, long ago and now in terms of what does spending time do for us, Evelyn? What can it do? Well, in the traditional North shamanic way, you would intentionally go out in nature for the purpose of interacting with the spirits of nature. You would go out and sit in a place that was beautiful and wait for nature to inform you. It would bring you information. The spirits of place would bring you information. And you would use the sound of your own voice to help put you in that expanded state so that you could listen to the ancestors and listen to the trees. But even without any training at all, simply going to a place, even if it's a city park, You know, we don't all get to live in a wilderness. I live in suburbia. I have access here in Maine. I'm on the northeast coast, and you're in the northwest coast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I can get to wild places, but I can also appreciate where it is I'm planted, remembering that there is nature under my feet always. The, The earth is under my feet. I'm surrounded by trees here, and a lot of the we leave part of our yard wild, so it's just things that the birds have planted. And you can spend time yeah. outside just being still. You don't bring your phone out. You don't do something. Just be still outside and watch and listen. And you'll start to notice that your brain is very busy, and then you have to keep reminding your brain, all you have to do is sit and look. It's okay. There's nothing that has to be done right now. And you start to notice color that you didn't see before. And birds show up. You know, when we're still, nature will fill back in again around us. Nature tends to, you know, the beings in the natural world tend to move away from us when we're in our linear human go-get-things-done mode. But as soon as we stop and we start to pay attention again, it comes back in, like the tide filling in. And the birds come close. The chickadee here is the one that always comes first to go, hi, what you doing? And uh, <laughs> what you doing there? And uh, it, you start to notice how beautiful it is and the cloud shapes and the smells on the breezes. And something happens to us, we slow down again. Yeah. We remember who we are again, the clutter of our life and the clutter that is in our head slows down for a little while, and you feel refreshed. You feel refreshed even though nothing has really changed. The things you were worrying about are still there, but your perspective shifts. Nature gives us a perspective, and if we allow the intelligence of nature to inform us, not worrying about trying to figure out, just take the impressions that you get and then hold them inside of you, those impressions that you got and see if they don't develop into, ah, that's that's what I needed to know. We tend to try to jump to the last chapter of the book too quickly. and We need to give ourselves time to be in nature, be with our expanded states, you know, 
play play with our imagination, enjoy being in the natural world, and just seeing what develops. You know, it's like allowing a plant to grow. We have the same capacity. We need to be still and in a nurturing place like that that we provide for ourselves by having our brain just quiet down because you can do that even inside. And uh, we we naturally emerge. That larger sense of who we are emerges when we quiet all the other stuff down. Yes, yes. Evelyn, I have a question um, related to this, and, and how to do this without overthinking, I guess, is the question. There's a point in your book where you talk about fear, and this is a show that we often explore fears um, and how they impact us. And there's something you say about rooting out our fears and following the source of our fears in a compassionate way and healing it at the root. How can we do this in an integrative way? You know, um, without we have a tendency to overthink and what you just said is to, to slow down and yet there can come to us great understanding and I have to tell you when I read that passage I paused and I thought about I'm using the word think um, certain fears that, that we all have and you know my own certain things I'm working with and and I started to feel kind of an unraveling, and, and it's a process. I need to spend much more time with this. But I feel like you give us a gift here that's important for those of us who are working with our fears, so that, and we all are, so that we can live more joyously and productively and not, not let them, them, them impact us so much as they often can. I think some of, some of our fears... I would say a lot of our fears are really anxiety about what could be and yeah. not really rooted in the what is now. And yeah. I think some of them come from the fact that the left hemisphere of our brain, our analytical brain, will try to put puzzles together even when it doesn't have all the pieces. Yeah. And when it doesn't have the pieces, it will generate um, fear about not having the piece. But the pieces almost always are over there in that expanded experience. That more yeah. right brain experience in nature can give us the pieces we need. And sometimes they're heretical pieces. So I'm worried about this job that I'm doing. Well, maybe the real truth is, is I don't belong in that job. Yeah. And so I've got all this extra anxiety because there's a part of me that really knows I shouldn't be there. But unless yeah. I'm still enough to really get that information from that larger sense of who I am, I'm just going to keep nattering on the small fear instead of rooting yeah. out what is the real fear under it and changing exactly. the circumstance. You know, yeah. all of us will eventually die. Our physical body will be no longer. But there is a part of us that continues beyond that, as anybody who's had an expanded experience knows, and even the atoms that that compromised our body will still be sticking around here on the earth. So in in all senses of the word, we are eternal beings. And so yeah. a lot of our fears are based in the illusion of control, the illusion of uh, 
that we're fighting really hard to to stay physical when really there is much more of us. It's, we're not just physical beings. And so the more we allow that expansion, pick apart the fears to figure out what is at the bottom, and then take that out in nature with us. Take that into an expanded state and see if we can't get a different perspective that will help to change our experience of that fear. When we root around and find what's at the base, oftentimes it's, it's like something that disappears in the sunrise, like fog. You know, it's not yeah. the, the big, bad, ugly that we thought it was hiding in the closet. When we take things out and we realize, oh, the scary thing was just that coat on the chair, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where kids think, uh, oh, there's a monster there. and No, no, that was actually just the coat on the chair and you made it into a monster. And oh, I think we so tend true. to do that with our fear. Yes. Well, you know what? Um, the the show has gone by so fast, and you know, you really, I have so appreciated the time that um, I've I've been spending not just with you here on the show, but also with you in your book and and what you explored. And and yes, I would so welcome you to come back to the show to explore even more concepts um, because it's very relevant to us today and and I want to let the audience know that your website is is on the show page and even if you're listening in a different way it's um evelynrisedike.com her name spelled out and it's really easy to find this show on frontierbeyondfear.com as well and links to your book and everything and and just a, a thank you from my heart Evelyn because I I'm so happy to discover you. Um, that that's how I feel, and to share you with with more people, because I I'm thankful for how you are assisting us in this time. Well, I appreciate this was a delightful hour. Oh well, well, thank you so much, and um, and I just really do look forward to 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 spending even more time because something that you do do is you guide us on ways to step into practice, to bring some of these things very present in our world. And and um, I I very much appreciate that. So, <laughs> so thank you again. You are very welcome. And I hope all the listeners enjoy their explorations, that they continue to move beyond their own limitations to feel their own... Uh, the truth of who they are. Yes, yes, that's the key. All right, well, enjoy um, the the rest of your day in beautiful Maine or wherever you are exploring today, and, and thank you again, and take care. Take care. Bye-bye now. All right, bye-bye. Um, just a quick show note for those of you listening live um, we will be back on the air. We're going to have another Saturday night special where it's light and, and fun. Um, this Saturday, October 15th at 7 p.m. Pacific, a 90-minute show. And Debbie Griggs is returning, and she is intuitive and will be taking your phone calls. And many of you have talked to Debbie before, so I invite you to, to come in on Saturday night for that show. As always, 
FrontierBeyondFear.com is the place to find. Um, we're almost to our sixth anniversary this month, and there are six years of shows there. I invite you to go into the archive. If there's a guest that you enjoy, if there's a topic you enjoy, just enter it as a search term. Um, Blog Talk Radio supports that. Also, consider following the show so you know when new episodes are coming up and you're notified via email. And thank you to the supporters of this show. I very much appreciate the listeners supporting. So um, I look forward to seeing you all again next time. And may you do just as Evelyn advised. Explore your world. Breathe. Slow down a bit. Allow yourself to expand. And then maybe you'll find, in fact, there's no maybe here, that everything eases. Everything eases when you do this. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you.